Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, folks, we got a real treat for you today. If you've had a chance to read my story on Bruce Arians in the Buck special section, or even if you haven't, you're going to learn how he became Bucko Bruce. We've got my exclusive interview with Coach Arians that I did a little while ago. He talks about his early days growing up in York, Pennsylvania, to getting kicked off his high school football team, to his scholarship at Temple and playing just one season at quarterback, and all his coaching stops along the way as the Owls head coach at age 30, to catching Bear Bryant's eye as an assistant at Mississippi State, which led to a job at Alabama, and of course, becoming the quarterback whisperer with Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer. And finally, what ultimately led him to the Bucks and wanting to coach Jameis Winston. So some great insight from BA on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Ersnick. Hey, folks, on Thursday night, we're going to do a live show from American Social on Harbor Island with our special guest, Hall of Fame linebacker Derek Brooks. This begins at 7 p.m. We would love to have all of you come out and say hi, listen to the show, enjoy a nice beer or cocktail, some great food. We're going to lead you right up into the start of the NFL regular season with the Packers at the Bears. And, of course, we'll get you ready for the Bucks season opener on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. So American Social – on Harbor Island this Thursday with Derek Brooks at 7 p.m. We hope you guys will come out and join us. All right, before I get to my interview with uh, Bruce Arians, you want to stay tuned for that, but the Rays managed to split their doubleheader against the Baltimore Orioles on Tuesday. They lose the opener 4-2. to They came back and won the nightcap 2 to nothing. Six pitchers combined for the 10th shutout of the season for the Rays. Austin Meadows with a home run. And uh, that, that means that the Rays, and they also got some help on Tuesday when the White Sox score four times in the eighth inning to win 6-5 over the Cleveland Indians. So as we sit here doing this podcast, they have a one-game lead over Cleveland for the first American League wild card. So uh, a big uh, series win for the Rays. They have a, a day off today, and then they'll be back at it again on Thursday. But, uh, I, you know, they got, they got done what they had to do. I mean, they could have easily won two. They could have lost two. Um, the offense really didn't, didn't really come around. I mean, scoring only four runs in, in two games against Baltimore. Was yeah, you have to staff. be a little disappointed with yeah. only getting, you know, four runs in the two games against that pitching staff because that's not Absolutely. a good pitching staff. I mean, Dave Wills mentioned in the broadcast today that, you know, the Orioles give up two runs on an off day. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good line, by the way. Listen, go look and see what the Yankees have done to Baltimore, and you'll see the difference and two. between. Yeah, 17-2. and two. And not only that, but the 17 wins, I bet they average 12 runs a game. I'm not kidding you. They bashed the heck out of the Baltimore Orioles pitching staff. I believe and they scored 169 runs in the, in the 19 games. It's unbelievable, right? They've scored, what, almost 10 runs a game? I mean, they've just destroyed Orioles pitching, as has most of the American League. And the Rays did that early when they played Baltimore, but these last few series – that they've had against them, they, the Orioles pitchers have turned it completely around on them. So, not not many, uh, you know, not much hitting 
going on in these last couple games, but they managed to at least win the series, which is what they have to do at this point. Hey, they're down to just 21 games, I think, remaining in in the regular season. Yeah, 21 games, which means, you know, so you've got – You've got a you know what a one game lead now in the in the wild card. Oakland, we don't know if they'll be a game back of the Rays or two games back. They're just starting as we take this podcast on Tuesday night. So, you know, it's really a three team race for the final two spots in the playoffs in the American League. So, yeah, the is. Rays, I believe, have the toughest schedule going forward by most prognostications. They got to play the Red Sox, I think, for a four game series. You got the Yankees twice. You're going out to play the Dodgers for two games there too. But you've also got teams mm-hmm. like the Blue Jays and the Angels and, and teams like that that you should be beating up on, too. So um, while the Rays may have the toughest schedule, it's not insurmountable to put up a good number in the last 21 games. I mean, you'd like to go 14-7 and seven in the last, you know, 13-8 and is probably okay. If you're only winning 12 games, you may not make the playoffs. Yeah, I think at this point, um, if I'm not mistaken, they've already assured themselves of a winning season, so they get that mm-hmm. done for a second year in a row. Uh, and, you know, a, a reasonable chance with 21 games now to eclipse the 90 wins that they had last year, which was certainly a goal coming in. So everything is right there for them. Right now they got the first wild card. You, you know, they would obviously love to host a playoff game, but it's most important just to get in the postseason. And, um, you know, and, and there's still a lot of baseball left. But, man, I, I would think at this point, if you're if you're a Rays player, um, and, you know, they admit now they're all watching the scoreboards, right? You have to at this time of year. Um, and you, you've got to be getting a little bit excited, a little bit, um, uh, you know, j- jazzed up about this this push, you know. And now is where you're going to see uh, some of the better players rise ri- rise to the occasion. I think Tommy Pham has done that. Look, he hits everything hard. He's on an incredible streak right now with a bat. Um, just, you know, even, even the balls he's not elevating for home runs. He's hitting hard through the infield. Uh, you know, got on a bunch of times again in the doubleheader, you know, on Tuesday. It's good to see Austin Meadows come up with a big home run, you know, in that game, that really what, what amounted to the game-winning home run uh, for the Rays in the second game in the nightcap. So you're going to need those guys to kind of carry you. You're going to need Kevin Kiermeyer to come up in, in some big spots and, and produce. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that time of year where the better players – are going to lead their teams, you know, to the postseason. Tommy Pham, by the way, got his 19th stolen base. I think he's just one away now mm-hmm. from becoming only the second raised player next to B.J. Upton, who did it three times of hitting 20 home runs and stealing 20 bases in the same season. So he's had himself quite a year. And, of course, uh, Travis Darnot hit another home run. So, uh, you know, the, you think about the story. They got a lot of guys – Steve, I was trying to think, like, who is your MVP of this baseball team, right? Is it that obvious? I mean, um, you know, even if you go, you know, Emilio Pagan, that, who you know, that might be my 17th choice. save. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? Like, who would – I remember talking to him at FanFest, and, you know, he'd come over from the, you know, from the Oakland A's and, you know, was, was a back – we knew he was going to be kind of a back-of-the-bullpen guy, didn't know where he was going to start this year. And, you know, found himself sort of thrust in that closer role. Well, he started in Durham, if you remember. He didn't make the roster. No, he didn't make the regular. That's right. And he started in Durham. But if anybody had said, you know what, I think think Emilio Pagan is going to get them 17 saves, you know, by September. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what what he's been able to do for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he might be – because he stabilized that bullpen. I mean, as good as Alvarado and Diego Castillo were the first month of the season, they really regressed after that. 
And, mm-hmm. and Emilio stabilized that back end of the bullpen. And he's given up maybe a few too many home runs this year. But overall, he's really been a solidifying force back there and a guy you can count on in the ninth inning for the most part. And then, you know, Travis Darno, who was on the well, Mets, they got rid of him to the Dodgers. The Rays trade for him out of need because they have like five catchers on the disabled list. Right. And look what he – I mean, he carried this team for a week or two at a time. A month. And, and, and I he had a, a month, yeah, yeah. huge month. But there was one week where they won two games. And it was all He drove in all nine RBI for those <laughs> two games, you know. They play him at first base just to keep his bat, and he's not a first baseman. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're keeping him in the lineup any way they can. Yeah, I mean, and it forced Michael Perez, who the Rays really like, down to, to AAA for the remaining mm-hmm. of the season. Now he's called up in September here. Um, as they have 34 guys on the roster right now and may end up with 37, 38, 39 once, health, once the injured guys get back, which, you know, sure. the amount of pitching changes. I mean, I, I love these guys get an opportunity and the Rays are taking advantage of it. And it's all hands on deck to win, but mm-hmm. woof, September baseball can be awful at times. It can be. And it, it was Johnny Holstaff, you know, mm-hmm. to combine for a shutout. I'm still amazed. I don't care who you're playing, right? I mean, that's a major league team over there, they've mm-hmm. got good hitters. Up and down the lineup, they managed to to win the first game, four to two. You go out there and you spackle together six different pitchers to throw a shutout mm-hmm. against the Orioles. Um, that's just that's it's incredible to me. And they've managed to do this not just one or two times throughout the year. They've done it the whole year, you know, because because really they they have one legitimate starter right now in Charlie Morton that's still healthy and he's logged a gazillion innings. You know, you, you ended up getting Ryan Yarborough to to throw for you as a starter, and he's had an unbelievable year. That's another and guy you could count as an MVP candidate. He could also be an and MVP. And Morton as well, of right. course. But, but sure, you know, you sure. didn't expect Yarborough to do what he's doing, even though, you know, last year, what was it, 16 wins in the, you know, in the bulk inning guy following the openers. But, yeah. you know, he's followed up this year and, and been even better, and now he's a legit starter who's pitching, you know, out of his mind. So you realize, like, over the last two years that Yarborough is a combined record of 27-9. and nine. And I, I know that there are people who will say, well, win-loss is not really the best barometer of how a guy pitch. Let me assure you, 27-9, and nine, you've done some great pitching during that stretch. But- you just can't be out there that many times and get that many wins without doing your job and doing it really well. Well, not only that, but he's got a 3 ERA in the AL East. In those there two years, go. so it's not like there. you know. In, in the AL East, you kind of your ERAs are a little bit inflated from from most other divisions. A three seven two mm-hmm. ERA is very respectable for a, a pitcher and is now a second season. Right, we've just named about four guys, and it it's really truly is hard to try to determine like who is your most viable player on this baseball team. But they've had these kind of contributions up and down the lineup. So we'll see if they can keep it going. I mean, 21 games. I mean, again, it's if you're a Rays fan, you got to be getting kind of kind of geeked up about playoff baseball. What if it's in the trop? What would that atmosphere be like? And if you win one game with all those pitchers and the guys you're going to have available, I mean, you can almost see you know Charlie Morton starting uh, in in a big game like that. But you also maybe have a Blake Snell that could come in for an inning or two. You could have Snell um, and Glasnow going back to back, which are lefty sure. righty. You know, That's each right. pitching two to three innings potentially by the time you get to the end of September or into October, and That's then you right. know you figure out the rest of it from there. I mean, but but like even in a one game playoff, yeah, that's what I'm saying. One game playoff, yeah, right. So I, you'd feel pretty good about that. And you know, to their credit, they had had you know all the success on the road. It kind of evened out a little bit in this last road trip, but now they're starting to win in the trop. So you feel better about them playing, you know, playing there and, and trying to win a single game 
um, you know, against one of those wild card teams. So, yeah, I think uh, I think race fans got to get, get excited, and the players have to be really starting to feel, you know, the the stretch run. I mean, it's such a long season. I, I I've never obviously never played in the major leagues or even minor league baseball. I can't imagine going through a 162 game marathon with all the ups and downs and the injuries and things. But to get within, you know, here you are in, uh, um, you know, the start of September, and you're just 21 games now from finishing up a year. They still have four days off, by the way, between now and the end of the season, which is actually could be something that could actually play a factor in helping them as well. Absolutely. Well, and especially when your starting pitching staff is depleted. Um, sure. That really helps you. But, yeah, so th- with the Indians and the A's, they have about the same number of losses. It's the Rays have more wins because they've played more games. So those teams mm-hmm. are going to, you know, they have to catch them in the win total. Wins at hand, right? Yeah, essentially that's mm-hmm. what that's what the Rays have on the, of those teams, which is a good thing mm-hmm. to have. So, I mean, you know, the A's and Indians have to play more games, and they have to win them to catch the Rays. That's exactly right. All right, so I wanted to get back and uh, tell you guys about this profile I did on Bruce Arians. In fact, if you hadn't had a chance to pick up the special section, you can read all of this on tampabay.com. I did a story on on Bruce Arians, how he became Bucko Bruce, sort of his history, his life, his stops along the way in coaching and and all the personal things that that have happened to him. Also, I did a story on the NFL coach-quarterback relationship, just how rare that is in sports, how fragile it can be, and how it's going to play out between Arians and Jameis Winston. There's another uh, story on Jameis Winston and where he is as a quarterback and what they want to improve with him with some good insight from Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach, Clyde Christensen, and then finally a story on Devin White, the Bucks' first-round pick, and another 21-year-old who will have a lot of responsibility on his hands as the quarterback this time of the defense. So uh, it was a fascinating interview that I had with uh, Bruce, and I sat down with him in his office a few months ago. At that time, um, you know, he is just sort of moving into the complex a little bit, and uh, you know, here's a guy that's coached for four decades. Um, and it was interesting sitting in there with him. He had a picture of Bear Bryant that he was about to hang uh, over, uh, always, is always is over the right shoulder of him uh, behind his desk. And, uh, you know, there were two men that had really a, a big impact on Bruce. Of course, his father, uh, who worked at uh, the Cat- Caterpillar, uh, you know, the, the, the big earth-moving um, equipment and stuff like that, a factory there in Pennsylvania. And then Bryant, who was his, probably his biggest influence in coaching. You hear him all the time say, I learned this from Bear Bryant, coach him up, coach him hard, hug him up later. And that's sort of been uh, the way he has approached all those coaching stops along the way. So lots of uh, salty language that we've tried to bleep most of it out there for you, but you really get a flavor for sort of uh, who Bruce Arians is, where he's from, and where he wants to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as he says, at age 66 and still sexy. So here now, my interview with Bruce Arians. But obviously, you know, where you're from, who your dad was, working in Caterpillar and, and coaching and stuff. So how, how much of that is has always been a part of? You talked about being a man of the streets and learning how to be cool. Growing up, growing up, watching my dad work seven days a week and mostly night shifts. Yeah. Mom worked at York Peppermint Patty and um, Stoffer's Cookies, so uh, it was a blue collar family. Yeah, aunts, uncles, everybody. I thought that was what you did. You know, uh, you you graduated high school, and you you went to work. Um, the idea of college and education came from my father-in-law, uh, who had a college degree, played college football. 
on St. Mary's. And uh, so then I, I would always watch pro football. I mean, watch college football. Yeah. You know? Steelers, I'm guessing, mostly? or Baltimore just Colts. Baltimore Colts, okay. Baltimore Colts. Just okay. Everything was Baltimore for me. Okay. Colts, Bullets, Orioles. Okay. And uh, so I just, I was hoping to sign a baseball contract out of high school. Ended up getting a football scholarship. Yeah, I heard you, uh, baseball was one of your real loves, one of your real passions, right? Yeah. I was, I was, that's what I was best at. Really? And I uh, actually signed a football baseball scholarship. Coach Claiborne gets fired by freshman year. They get a new coach. I'm going to go out for baseball. He said, well, you go out for baseball, you're gonna resign. You lose your scholarship. Right. Okay. I mean, I guess I'm not playing baseball anymore. <laughs> You've been very honest about, and, and I think we, when we talk about players that you, you believe in second chances, and, and, and so much of that is because of your honesty, you know, and listening to the comments by Tyron Matthew and others about the trouble you got in as a, as a kid. I mean, here you are at Mount St. Mary's, you meet your wife as your freshman year, junior year, um, she gets pregnant, mm-hmm. and you're not aware, I guess, that that that, that causes sort of a probation Yeah, we were never told we were on probation. You know, yeah. She lost the baby yeah. Thursday, we were gonna get married on Saturday. And the only rule was you couldn't be married and go to school. Right. So we went back to school. And, you know, day after the football season, we all had to go on a retreat, you know, Everybody gets drunk. Twenty-nine guys got suspended. I got expelled, mm. and uh, because supposedly I was on probation, and uh, so that changed uh, that changed a lot of things in me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked a lot about the look on my dad's face. Yeah, and yeah. how it drove me for a long time to, to get that look off his face. It, yeah, it never really it was gone, but it wasn't gone for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, until we probably won Super Bowl forty. Right. And I looked up in the stands and saw him, and you know he was beaming, and he died shortly after that. Yeah, unbelievable story. Um, so teams, you were being recruited, and then all of a sudden it was it was down to Temple, right? Or not, I'm sorry, down to uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech and, and John Devlin, God bless him. Yeah, Daddy Dev told Coach Clay, but I transferred to get better math classes. Right. Know? And uh, and they signed me. I couldn't I couldn't sign fast enough. And, uh, so yeah, Coach. I think one of my favorite pay-it-forward stories, uh, Coach Devlin was with the Houston Oilers when the oil bust. They got fired. They're all going bankrupt. Yeah. I hired him as my, my assistant head coach at Temple. Yeah. And, uh, that, was, that was paying it forward for sure. Did you know you wanted to coach? I mean, what was the... Yeah, I, everybody I ever looked up to in my life was named Coach. Yeah. I didn't realize half of them or somebody's dad just giving up some time yeah you know they were just coach style to me coach coach keezy yeah and uh my parents were working so i was on the playground or at a practice every day almost my life same yeah and uh so um one of the things you know growing up in the parks in york um she's not mayor mayor anymore of york but we started to uh, rebuild the parks in york and we started a, an initiative, and, uh, and she lost the, she lost the race. But hopefully, we can get those parks back going. Yeah, yeah. You you go to Virginia Tech and you don't play really all that much for three. But then your senior year, here comes a new coach, right? Yeah. And you're the starting quarterback. Yeah, and, and it's a crazy story because I that spring I could graduate, and uh, I had interviewed for two junior high jobs, 
didn't get either one. And Terry Don Phillips, who just retired from Clemson AD, he was a defensive line because you got to meet the new head coach. I said, oh, man, I'm done with this stuff. You know, the last coach tried to run us off for three years. <laughs> so I go in and meet him. I sit in his office for three hours. I hadn't been in that office for three hours in three years. Then it was funny. He, he loves telling a story. I had long hair, beard. I sprained my ankle playing basketball, so I'm on a cane. <laughs> like, You're the quarterback? <laughs> and uh, I, he, he gave me that opportunity to come out and said, if you can help us, I'll let you. If you can help us, I'll get you a high school job. That's the only thing I had to lose was 20 pounds. Yeah. And uh, I talked about five other guys into coming back out. And they had been in this off-season, back then, off-season program. Oh, they were yeah. They were brutal. Beat the hell out of you, right? And these guys were already been gone for a month. And so I talk them into coming out. And I make one station, second station, I'm about to go down. And he, 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 he said, come here, you know. He said, your buddy's all left. I said, they'll meet, meet you at Carlisle's after this, which was the bar I worked at. <laughs> and uh, so I said, all right, I'm done. I'm, no, no, no. So he let me in. He said, you think you can make the last station? I mean, every day he would see, by the time I was going to go down, he pulled me over until I could make them all. We just had a bond. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he came. I went to see him. He said, you're a starting quarterback. You're, you're, unless you break your leg, you'll, you'll start every game. Mm-hmm. And uh, This is Jimmy Sharp, right? This is Jimmy Sharp. Yeah. So John Devlin yeah. and Jimmy Sharp. Changed my whole life. Um, now, how did he? How did you get to Mississippi State? Jimmy, because Jimmy. Yeah, I was actually in the bar business still. Okay. Uh, back in. Back in Blacksburg. Blacksburg. Okay. And I had just gotten fired, so I got a job. Uh, and this guy wanted me to be the manager for him. Right. And this was the perfect coaching beginning. Danny Ford left, went to Clemson. I got hired full time, bought a house, had a baby, and got fired. <laughs> Welcome to coaching. <laughs> yeah. So Jimmy calls and says, Hey, pack up your stuff in a U Haul. Uh, uh, you're coming to Mississippi State. I said, Coach, you don't have any jobs. Huh? Just trust me. So we, we packed it up in a U Haul, drove to Mississippi, and uh, ended up being the passing game coordinator. And of course, the great story is. Um, when you're down there, you've got a kicker. Was he a kicker or a punter? Dave Mahler, kicker. You need a quarterback. This guy could throw the out of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and you turned him into the guy. Yeah. Broke all the, I think he broke all the SEC records passing at that time. Right. And uh, we had lunch a couple of years ago in Buffalo. Really? Yeah. What's he doing now? I think he runs the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame or something, something okay. up there, because he played at Hamilton and okay. uh, stayed there. Okay. The bar business is a tough business. That probably <laughs> that probably taught you a lot, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was making a dollar an hour, and all I could eat. It's a hell of a job. <laughs> <laughs> and then wasn't there a moment somebody tried to yeah. stick a gun in your yeah. room? Yeah, got, you know, guys came off the mountain and... It was it was a college bar. I had known a lot of the, the cousin stuff at Carlisle's, and you know, one pinch me and said, "No, man, go out here." Yeah. So I came back in with a gun and said, "Okay, I want to be in the bar business. I think coaching safer." <laughs> I think it is too. 
So did I've seen that it's an amazing. They did an amazing job in that uh, football life. They, they, the television show that Bear Bryant has. I don't know where they found that, but man, man I was unbelievable. It blew me away. Yeah. And he's talking about yeah, they had this quarterback and they put him in the shotgun because he had the had the injury. Well, yeah. And. Uh, and little did you know, I mean, that had to have had a big impact on Bear Bryant. Right? Oh yeah, it did. And when it, when a good friend of mine, Perry Willis, had gotten sick. And he was the running back coach, and I was still at Mississippi State, and we had beat them for the first time in 40 years. Or yeah. And that job came open after spring practice, and Jimmy Sharp called Coach Bryant. And, uh, you know, that was another one of those. Mal Moore, who was, you know, offensive coordinator and was a really good friend, he said, yeah, you'll probably see Coach for about 15 minutes. I think we're in an hour and a half. You know, just we hit it off, and... When you look back on that now and what he was about, I mean, not many people had the opportunity to coach yeah, with him. His, um, some people have a knack of looking at someone and knowing how they feel. Yeah. He was a master of personnel. Really? A master of people. I mean, he could walk in and he could tell the secretary was having a bad day. He'd just say something sweet. She'd be fine. And me, I was cockier. He, he knew it. He, I think he must have thought I had some potential. Because he just ripped my ass, <laughs> all right, and see if I would take it. Yeah. And I wouldn't take it. And it kept going until I finally, I went in his, his great in film, offensive line, good coach, tight ends, good, good, running backs. Well, we fumbled twice, one break. You even watch the <laughs> film. I don't think you know how to grade a damn film. Well, as soon as that meeting's on, I go, Coach, how you want these guys graded? You want letter grade? You want you're doing fine. So this goes on about three or four weeks, three or four games. Finally, he's, you know, no, you're doing. I said, obviously, not enough. Right? And he kind of looked at me. I said, how you want these damn guys graded? And he's like, you're doing good. Get out of here. Never happened again. Just wanted to see how much. He was going to see if I was going to keep coming back, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, uh. It just it was just amazing. We played sixty six players a game. Played sixty six? Sixty six different players. Wow. Three quarterbacks, tw- t- nine running backs. He substituted every player. Wow. Offense, defense, special team. If you send a, if you try to send a guy in, your ass was fired. <laughs> <laughs> he never fired a coach. But yeah. Yeah, it was he was amazing. Everybody thought he had lost it. Yeah. No. I remember watching that game at the Liberty Bowl, Ooh. and 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 how emotional they were losing for a, for a while, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that was a hell of a team, Illinois. With, with, yeah, uh, the quarterback to, took the Patriots to the Super Bowl, uh, Tony Eason. Eason, yeah. And uh, they came back and won and carried him off the field. That was emotional. Yeah, I mean the the you could the 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 dread not the dread but. The, Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The anxiety of Yeah. How we can't lose this last game. Yeah. 
I mean, the pre- that was pressure. Yeah. I mean, that's pre- uh, two times I've ever felt it. That one, and then when Mr. Ursay told the team we're going to beat the Packers and take Tuck the game ball for that first game. <laughs> Thanks. Then, uh, but Temple, I mean, there you are, Division One coach. You're a young guy. You were there for six years and did some really nice things. And, and, uh, and it almost killed me. But it almost killed you, yeah. Yeah, because I, I had no clue what the word delegate meant. You tried to do everything. I, I was off head coach, offense coordinator, quarterback coach, fundraiser, recruit. Nobody, you couldn't sign a guy unless I watched him. Uh, I was just the ultimate micromanager. Yeah. And I really didn't learn how not to until Chuck got sick. Ah, yeah, then you had, had time. Then you had to, right? Yeah. It was like, I can't be everything. 24 that. hours. You do your job, you do it. I just decide we go for it on fourth down. Hey, this works. And I can call plays. And it's like, wow, if I get a chance, I know we can do this now. Yeah. You know, and I learned just let people do their jobs. Mm-hmm. That's why I get really upset. Hey, you got to fire this coach. Yeah. He's a damn good coach. He wouldn't be here if I didn't think he was a damn good coach. Right. Now, so- if his guys aren't playing well, that's different, but I'm saying firing him because I know he's telling them the right thing. Yeah. I'm standing here watching him. That's always the hardest thing, right? He's like, fire me. I hired him. Yeah. I'm old school. I'm <laughs> this ship ain't firing people. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just to to help. All right. Cosmetic. And, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's optics and, and you I know. went through it in Arizona with Amos. Like Yeah. I, no, I'm not firing coaches. Yeah. You know? I, no, that's just that's Coach Brian in me. Yeah. You know, coach them better. Right. You know, my job is to coach, coach them, them to coach. Them, yeah. You know? And I, and I would I would guess. I mean, your relationships that you've had to these guys, and they were available. When you talk about them, the, everything was sort of meant to order oh, here. Man. The fact that, that you were able to get all your yeah. predominantly all your guys back is. Yeah, I mean to have sixteen to eighteen guys available. Yeah. Uh, was just it was. It's what you're supposed to do. Right. Because uh-huh. I, I wasn't pining to coach again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I love it. And with ownership, Jason and Todd and Kevin and all the guys being available, it's like, oh, yeah, now I'm ready to do this again. Right. And we can win. Right. We fast. Right. And right. Jameis. Right. I, Obviously the quarterback. I really yeah. believe in Jameis. Yeah. You should have been a head coach way before you were in the NFL. Everybody knows that. And you proved it, obviously, when you got your chance and, and Chuck got, got hurt. But you you were still that, I'm going to tell you what I think and not what you want to hear guy. And in this league, it's a consensus league, right? Yeah. There has to be sort of like yeah. this group and, thing and, for and, you to... It's such a... Every year or two, it's so cyclical of who's hot. Yeah. You know, uh, everybody wants Sean. And there's only one Sean. There's only one Kyle. They grew up in this business. Right. All right. Years ago, it had to be, it was had to be the Belichicks and the Parcells and all the defensive coaches. That tree, coaches, yeah, defense, you know? yeah. You know, and uh, so I was so happy for Vic Fangio. I mean, no one deserved it more than him. Right. You know. And, and he may be the best of this, you know, the, the new yeah, guys I mean, he, that just got head coach. He's most ready because he got scars. I mean, if you've been in one system, and something happens, you can't call him how to fix it. You gotta know how to fix it. Right. All right. You you can't be a little position coach and have five guys and a defensive tackle 
has a problem yeah. or is creating a problem, you better know how to handle it. You know, and Vic knows how to handle it. Not saying these other guys don't. Yeah. But I mean, that to me, you're talking about 60, 65 guys in a coaching staff to manage. It's a lot of people. It is. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a lot of egos. And um, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with the, this this trend, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm I'm not pulling for anybody in this game, but I'm pulling for Sean because I really respect this guy. Right. You know, his his respect for the history of the game, and he's just different for his age. I would think with the with with the pressure of this league and the visibility that it has, it would. You were a thirty something year old coach one time. Can you imagine what some of these guys are stepping into? There's no way they they know what this is going to be like, the meat grinder that this is going to be like. Because the league has changed even since you got in it. I got got to watch Bill Cowher do it. Yeah. I got to watch Mike Tomlin do it. Yeah. And uh, those are special guys. smart. He had Wade. He got John Fossil. Yeah. So he can stay in his lane. Yes. He can handle that team, though. Oh, he can, yeah. I mean, he can handle that team, but he can really focus on his lane. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was the one, only one smart move I made at Temple as I hired a 66-year-old former head coach, defensive coordinator, Paul Davis. Okay. He was the head coach at Mississippi State in 61. He was Shug Jordan's defensive coordinator for 15 years at Auburn. And he played the old a split tackle, tilted, eight-man front. And I saw that coming back. Right. Yeah, because everybody was getting into trips and motion. And, yeah. And, and he and I sat one day at Alabama, and I said, Coach, wouldn't your defense really work? He said, oh, it'd be perfect, you know. And so <laughs> this is how I got him. I said, you need to come with me to Temple if I get this job. He said, oh, man. I said, they match $2 to $1 for your 401K. You'll make more in three years <laughs> than you have for 15 15- Years. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting ready to retire, man. <laughs> and he did. I mean, it was it was an amazing thing that they had. It's a great match. It's a, it's a, if you made more than forty, I said you're going to make forty. I'm going to make sure you get your two for one. That's awesome. You know, he was the guy I could go bitch to. I mean, that's why I tell all these young coaches: you have, have somebody. A, you better have an old cat. You can Kirby Smart. I said, get you somebody you can bitch to. But you can't bitch to a young coach. He go home and tell his wife and I. Yeah. Yep. Somebody's been through it, right? Yeah. Tell me about the quarterbacks. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> the name of your book, Quarterback Whisper. The fact of the matter is, you don't really whisper all that much. <laughs> I mean, I, I do to them. Yeah. Uh, at times. Sure. Know, if I'm cussing them out, I'm really talking to number two. Right. You know, he gets zazz ripped. That's the know. old Bill Walsh theory, right? And, and, yeah. I didn't know that, but they, yeah. yeah. And, and they knew Drew Stanton. <laughs> He could do it. Charlie Batch, Byron. Byron was that guy, you know? And it's That's like, what he said. What the f*** is he doing? So Ben loves telling the story. I guess I had my hand on the button one time. And I hadn't released it. And, and Charlie, what the f*** is he thinking? What the f*** is he looking at? And Ben's like, I can hear you. <laughs> uh, Byron told us that the other day. He was, he was Most of the time he was yelling at Ben, but he would just yell at me instead. Yeah. And uh, I smart way, yeah, it's a smart way to handle it, really. But tell me about what what is it about the quarterback position that you think you just? I mean, you were a quarterback, obviously. But yeah. What is it about that position? And the head coach, 
obviously at every level, but certainly in this league, that that coach quarterback relationship is like none other, right? Oh, that, it has to be. It has yeah. to be like this. Yeah, it has to be a true trust. Don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what you see. What did you see when the all came out of your hand? Mm. All right. Was it two? Was it two man? Was it a single high? That they? What happened post then? Mm. I think I said, no, no. What did you see? Now, when we have that, coach, I thought I saw this. I saw the mic go this way. Great. All right. Now we can work from that. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to take an interest off the field in them, so that they know you really care about them. Yeah. And their family. And it's so much easier when you take a rookie, and you're molding. Yeah. Than taking Carson Palmer, who's got three kids yeah. and, and been in the league for 12 years, but you still got to build that trust. Trust. Yeah. You know. And uh, I, that's the one place I miss. I miss being in the quarterback role. You know, that was like my favorite spot to be. Mm. And uh, Because of the way they see the game? And yeah, just you're at a different level than the rest of the team. You are, yeah, yeah you are. Tom Moore, who was one of the best coordinators ever, you know, I've been there with Peyton, and he say, that's great. But, you know, these other ten guys can't learn all that shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Nobody could learn what Peyton had. We got to cut it back. Yeah, you know, and uh, and it was yeah. I mean, it was and Peyton was special because we had an hour. I had, had two hours worth of stuff. You know, the poor for Kelly Holcomb and whoever was the third, their ass was lost half the time. And Kelly really caught up fast, but but you were Peyton, Peyton's first coach mm-hmm. in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And there's a great clip of him saying, you know, what, why didn't you throw that? You saw it, why didn't you throw it? He goes, it was, it was this much? And he goes, yeah, and this, and that's open. It's open, yeah. <laughs> he goes, ah. Oh, that's him. That's him. I mean, well, what a, it was a joy and a challenge. I mean, yeah. It was a great, I love the challenge, you know, because he was so used to never standing still at practice. Yeah. You know, uh, he had his own practice at Tennessee, scout teams. And so defense would be up. He's like, what are we doing? I said, Defense is we're on the other field doing drills. Mm-hmm. He's wearing Marvin out. He's wearing tight ends. I said, they got another period to run, man. They can't, they're not, you know, they're your scout team guys. He's like, I got to get over. And, and they got to where they were, they were all in. They knew that if you went over there and worked with him, you were getting the ball on Sunday. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. He had trust. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he'd say, hey, Red's on the, the tight ends. Yeah. Said, Shoot, they come running over. Yeah. He had a rough rookie year. That wasn't a great football oh, team. No, no. He, well, he we set a record bad. for interceptions. Yeah, we were bad. We were three and thirteen. But yeah. every day we went to practice, everybody was excited. We knew we were getting better. Yeah. You know, defensively we were struggling. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I saw one guy change things. Cornelius Ben brought a guy in, been there, done it, mm-hmm. had an unbelievable reputation. And when he stood up, guys believed him. And he he changed a lot of the culture. Defensively, right? They're Peyton's already Peyton's team, sure. And uh, it had been Marshall Falk's team. Bill saw that, and you know we we trade Marshall and get Edgerin and mm-hmm. it's Peyton's team. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then what what Biscuit did with the defense philosophy and, and just their their confidence, was yeah. Unbelievable. Special guy, and then and then uh, and then your time with Ben was unique. Oh, um, yeah. you got Ben when he was really young. Yeah, he was his third year. Yeah, and uh, you know, he didn't like me because I I was ripping them wide receivers' ass all the time, and they, we go play golf. And I told the story about his time. I say, "Hey, you, you okay?" He said, "No, man. You can, you better not talk to me like you." I said, "Dude, you're a quarterback." 
<laughs> them cats, that's the only thing they know. They said, oh, okay. I said, no, we're going to, we'll talk a whole lot different. <laughs> I have to talk to you like that. I'm getting fired anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he heard you talk to those wide receivers, was a little worried. Oh, yeah. But but you have said, you have said that, I mean, Ben played the position instinctively and in a different way than anybody played it. I mean, that could drive a lot of coaches crazy. And I've seen it drive John Gruden crazy where, where you know, mm-hmm. what are you doing? You know, like, where this guy's open or that you don't see this and then you're getting out of the pocket too soon. You, you somehow learned to, to roll with that. Yeah, because way back I had a young kid and I was going to teach him to one, two, three, throw the ball. Mm-hmm. See, that's us, throw it away. Mm-hmm. And he was a great scrambler. And I kind of took that away from him. And I ruined it, you know? And I got him back to it, but it was like, do what they do best. Mm-hmm. And Peyton needed volume of information yeah. to play. Yeah. Then, ooh, that wasn't the worst thing. Don't yeah, give him Don't bury him. Give him, give him the nuts, bolts, and let him play. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he'll, I mean, I got to where I let him call plays. Yeah. And, uh, and take the no huddle and run with it. Yeah. The guy that gets left out in this quarterback story is Tim Couch. Is Couch from Cleveland, yeah. Who Tim was would have been a hell of a player and, and got all broken up. Got busted, he, yeah. He took us to the playoffs. Yeah. And breaks his leg in the second quarter of the last game. Yeah. Kelly comes in and Kelly has that crazy game in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and Butch wants to have wants to play him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've talked to some people that, that Mary Kay Cabot still covers that team, and she says, you don't realize how good oh, Tim I mean, could have been yeah. and was and, uh, until they just... Everybody wants to you know, label him a bus, and I, I fight the out of that. I mean, yeah. No. And, uh, but, yeah, then, you know... More circumstances. You know, than Andrew and Carson, but mm-hmm. Kelly Holcomb's probably my pride and joy. He was here, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, and... Uh, Every time he played, he threw for four hundred. You know, and it was amazing. You know, didn't look like much, but he could. Oh, just a straight shooter. Uh, we're playing the Niners, and coming down to the end, and he's limping. They ran a quarterback sneak, and he's limping. And you all right? Um, yeah, I, I get. A, I can get out. I can stay in the gun. I help. We go down and beat him. His leg was broke. <laughs> That's unbelievable, man. He was a he was a good dude. He was a good dude even when he was here. Yeah, he uh, should be coached. Yeah, he'd have been a great. He would have been. Just, he he wasn't gonna spend time away from the girls. Yeah, yeah, he's a real real family dude. So, you went coach of the year as an interim coach. I mean, when Chuck got sick, it, I guess everybody wanted you then, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I had seven you, seven interviews lined up. Did you? The Bears put the paperwork in first, and I'm that kind of person, and I'm going to you first. Sure. Thought it was a done deal. Right. Call me in the middle of the night. I go with Mark. Yeah. Five of the rest had dropped me in those 36 hours. Really? Wow. You know, they were all moving some in other direction. And Arizona was left, and I was not taking that interview. I told Major, I'm not taking that interview. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because of Kenny Wisenhunt, Russ Grimm, and uh, sure. right, all those guys, there was five or six guys. Right. That weren't coming with me to Chicago, and I was had to fire if I went out there. And I was shit. I just won a Super Bowl with these guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he he just, God bless him. He passed away, Brian. And I said, right, I'll call Wiz. I called Wiz, and he said, No, man, 
you deserve it. You deserve it. They'll understand. And I, I said, okay, I'll take two. And, and, and it worked out. I say. Because I was going to go back to Indy, and I've been happy coaching Andrew forever. Yeah. You know, just being a, 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 a lifetime coordinator. Sure. I really never thought it was in the cards. Right. After Super Bowl Forty Three, and never even getting a phone call. Yeah, exactly. It ain't happening. Right, right. And then Super Bowl Forty Five, when we win, when Ben suspended, and we got a Super Bowl with Charlie and Dennis, and yeah, Byron breaks a leg in the second preseason game. Ben suspended. Broke his leg and broke his arm. Dennis Dixon's your quarterback all of a sudden, right? Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to be Charlie back, but Mike Mike decided he was going to start Dennis. But they didn't resign you. No. They, what is that? You say I was refired? Is that yeah, what refired. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I retired. Uh, Chris has had this retired thing. She, oh, man. Her forever Georgia home one day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She'll probably be alone. I'll be dead. That was the first time. Um, well, one of the one of the many times. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's amazing the uh, uh, the relationships you've had with these quarterbacks. And we've talked to a bunch of them. And I saw the Andrew over at uh, the Pro Bowl. Um, boy, every one of them, you can feel what what they feel like you've done for their career. And they all say you're not you're not easy, um, no. Bruce. You you know you're you're going to tell them like you like you always do. You're going to tell them what they need perfect. to know, not what if it's not perfect, it needs to be fixed. Yeah. Don't take it as criticism. Take it as coaching. I'm yeah. not talking about your per- you personally. Yeah. I'm talking about your football and your football sucks. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. That's why I tell all the players. Sure. Sure. You know, and if, and and I'm yeah I'm bad. I'm really bad at rookie minicamp. You know. With the younger guys or everybody? Uh, well, the rookie minicamp these kids have never been in a huddle. Yeah. They've never heard a snap count. Yeah. You know, linemen never been in a three point stance. This yeah, it's really now. tough now. Yeah. And we get these poor quarterbacks. And, and, and they've never been taking a snap on their center. They've never snapped, but they've never caught a play in a huddle. And they you got dice right, FMO, 62 scat, Z flash, your X level. Uh, and you tell it to him again. You tell it to him, get a wristband. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get away. I let Tom Moore do it. He ripped their ass. I'm like, that's not that hard. I said, it is, Coach, because Zucker said, done it in high school or college. That's right. And they haven't known when it said hut. Yeah, had go said hut, hut. And all these jump outside because they've never heard a snap count. You know, all they was kick the foot, snap the ball. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's what we're dealing with. Is, and now you don't have what you used to have, quarterback orientation. You'd have some extra time with them in March or whatever it was. Yeah. They took that away. CBA took all of that away. No, no, no pads. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's hurt the game. Yeah. People wonder why there's so many injuries. Spoken of practice football. Yeah. Just don't practice football. When you look at Jameis and you see, obviously we know the story with, with you seeing him when he was in middle school and following him through college and, and you played against him, but the turnover is a real thing. It's not imagined. I mean, he, the numbers are there, whether it's fumbles and, and yet, you know, you also see just absolute brilliance at times where you just go, that's special, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. How do you, I mean, it's going to be a process, obviously, but, like, is that the number one thing, is yeah. trying to harness I've that? Studied, I've studied a bunch of them. Yeah. Clive's watched every throw Yeah. he's made since his rookie year. Yeah. And and Byron, too, and it's like, yeah. you're trying to look safeties off too long, and your feet are crossed. So much of it's mechanical. Okay. Other is, there's down 21 points. 
anybody down 21 is going to throw a pick or two. And he's down 21 a bunch. He is. So it's like. Phew, phew. He is. And, and, uh, throw 50 times every game. It's not a good recipe. No. They're, they're good. You're going to throw picks. Tip ball, bad balls. Sure. Hit, throwing. Bad you know, routes, whatever, yeah. You think you can make everything. And give them a running game. You know, give them a defense. Yeah. And see how good he can be. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can. I think we can limit. Never get rid of them. There's nobody ever does it. Sure. You know, uh, very limit turnovers. Mm-hmm. And you talk about it. Mm-hmm. You talk a bunch about it on the practice field, and that's when it gets ugly. What was that? Yeah. You know. Uh, so, yeah. But his, and I like to call it driving range, taking them to the range. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clyde is one of the best, uh, and we'll go to the range 30 minutes a day, just footwork and drills and throwing off balance and, and making these throws that you don't get to stand there and throw like this. Oh, yeah, over the top every time, yeah. And so, yeah, and one of the great feelings as a coach is you do a drill, and all of a sudden in the game you see a guy, it's exactly what we practiced on Wednesday. You know, and the guy, the guy can do it now. That's mm-hmm. coaching. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about him working. He, he's a oh, gym rat. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows that. He yeah, loves ball. He, he loves ball. He's here. I mean, yeah. he's got all the talent in the world, so why can't he be successful? He needs this. I don't know how to say this, but, like, swag is something that, that Jameis always played with. But I think he was benched last year for the first time in his life. You, you've, you're around these guys who are always the best player, always the best athlete. Sometimes it takes, you know, being told this is professional football and you know what, nothing's guaranteed to you. It can scar you to where you can't recover or it can grit your teeth Mm -hmm. and show you, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. I I see the gritted teeth right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, he knows, that's why I said it publicly, right, it's his team. Yeah, that's important. Believe in this guy. That's important. Yeah. Byron believes in this guy. Clyde believes in this guy. Our whole coaching staff sure. believes in this guy. And sure. Not, this is not my football team. That's our players. They'll be as good as they want to be. Right. I don't have no magic dust speech. Right. You know, I got, I talked to James this morning about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so you and I are going to have hard conversations about our football team. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're not a rookie. If, if so when I come to you, I want honest answers. And, and we, we had those conversations already today. I wanted to ask you about the minorities in this league that have now gone into coaching. You've had a bunch of them. You have the first one that I know right now, this league anyway, that has three coordinators that are minorities. First and foremost, they're all good coaches, yeah. all right? They wouldn't have these jobs if they weren't really, really good coaches. But it's not lost on them or others that you're one that, that this seems to be important to have all your coaches sort of elevate, and if that's their dream, yeah, that, you know, help them help them achieve it. That's my job. My job for, for the future of football is to make sure the future of football has really good quality coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that three coordinators and my assistant head coach are African Americans, it's not coincidence, but they're, they're the best that I know of. They're the best that I know of. And, you know, the fact we've always kind of been that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been a Todd Bowles fan forever. I always thought, I've told him, I thought I'd be working for him. <laughs> you know, when he did the job interim in Miami, I thought he had that job. I did too. And uh, it's like, hey, man, don't forget, he's a coach, you always have a job. Well, whoever thought I'd get the job and he'd come in. You know, so 
uh, I, it hurt me when it didn't work out in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I see him going back out. I see Byron coming up. I see Goody. Goody had already interviewed here, mm -hmm. and, and and Keith. Um, Keith should have got the job in Arizona. Um, they're, they're high quality. Goody's been with me for um, sixteen years. Mm -hmm. uh, Todd, Keith played for me. Byron, I just knew if I could ever talk him into coaching, he was going to be special. Well, like the guys you mentioned that changed their li your life, you, you've you done that for them in some instances. Yeah. Some of them kicking and screaming into coaching. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, I, I, and it's like, okay, Todd left. I had James Betcher ready, you know. Mm -hmm. Larry Foote's going to be another one, you know. Um, defensively, Casey's a, a co been our coordinator. So we, we have guys – Go, go get your head job, next guy moves up, next mm -hmm. guy moves up. Mm -hmm. Same thing offensively. Have the next guy, Kevin Garver's a, a, a rising star. Yeah. And you just keep pushing them and get them out there, you know? Especially on offense. That seems to be with the area that there's not a lot of uh, African-Americans on that's the offensive the side. That's the quarterback guys. Yeah, the yeah. quarterback guys it's especially, quarterback. yeah. It's one of the reasons I'm, I'm getting Antoine Randall and the coach. He, he wants to coach. Mm -hmm. L's a quarterback receiver guy. He, yeah. He's a very bright guy, so... Come on, get him on this level, and let's, let's teach him how this works. Mm -hmm. And he'll, I think he'll be one of those fast risers. I really enjoyed my time uh, with Bruce Arians, getting to know him, of course. It's going to be a fascinating season to see how he's able to begin to turn the bucks around and hopefully get Jameis Winston going as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. The Bucks will practice again today. We'll have a chance to talk to Jameis Winston, his first sort of regular season press conference will be later this afternoon. The Rays are off, and then they host the Toronto Blue Jays, of course, coming in this weekend. We're going to have Matt Baker, our college football writer, will be with us on tomorrow's podcast, of course, to recap all the action in college football. Devastating loss by Florida State when they blew it to Boise State, and then USF just getting trounced by Wisconsin. But a, a full slate of college football games on hand to talk to him about that. And the NFL season. Kicks off tomorrow night with the Packers visiting the Chicago Bears. And then, of course, on Sunday, right here in Tampa Bay, it's Bucks 49ers. So we appreciate you guys listening. We're here each and every day, Monday through Friday. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.